Hello everyone, and welcome back to SCADcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Matt Nickley. Well folks, today will be our final episode of the season, and I wanted to send us off into our break in holiday season with one of my favorite actors, Clifton Collins Jr. Collins was recently at the SCAD Savannah Film Festival with his upcoming feature film, Jockey, for which he received the Distinguished Performance Award. The film, like the man himself, runs in deep, deep waters. A conversation with Collins can last for hours and never quite feel long enough. There are always more questions to pose, more laughs to share, and more wisdom to glean. Collins enthralled our students during his now historic masterclass. He didn't want it to end, kept adding more and more of his personal time in answering every question because he cares so much for the art and the next generation. He's one of the most celebrated chameleon character actors in the business. You've seen him in Traffic, Babel, Star Trek, Westworld, Ballers, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and in Jockey, Collins takes center stage in the character drama we've all been waiting for. His character, Jackson Silva, is an aging jockey facing his mortality in life and the sport he's dedicated everything to, who encounters a young man claiming to be his long-lost son. It's an enveloping exploration of life, obsession, and legacy. Just after his masterclass at SCAD, Colin sat with Paula Wallace to discuss his means of storytelling, the intensive preparation for jockey, and Collins's historical connection to the world of entertainment. From SCADcast, this is On Creativity, a conversation between Paula Wallace and Clifton Collins, Jr. I'm pleased to have you here at SCAD for our film festival and congratulations on your Distinguished Performer Award this year for your role as Jackson in The Jockey. Thank you. It's uh, quite an honor, especially being a SCAD, um, receiving this kind of an award and looking at all the other recipients in the past. I know you've been here for several days, so tell me, what do you think of SCAD and uh, um, our beautiful city of Savannah? <laughs> I love SCAD. The SCAD is a, a, a haven for young artists. It's a, it's a beautiful place to, uh, you know, so often we find these places where we can belong. Mm. We always want to belong to something, especially artists. Mm -hmm. And you have an entire art community. I mean, it's uh, it's encouraging. It's, it's a beautiful thing because as actors, whether you're on the East Coast or West Coast, oftentimes we struggle to find tribe. And here you have it and you nurture these uh, these vulnerable young minds. And it's a, it's, a, it's a sacred place. So mm -hmm. I commend you for uh, uh, having the foresight to create something like this and to uh, take care of so many uh, beautiful young artists. I can only imagine where they're gonna go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm, they form friendships for life here. I can see so that. Yeah. Yes, this is fantastic. I'll be here every year if you invite <laughs> me. Yay. How much time did you spend at the track preparing for this role? Um, for Jockey, I spent pretty much if I wasn't actively uh, doing rewrites, I was on the, on the track. I'd be in the jockey room. I'd be hanging out with the jockeys. I'd be helping in some way, shape, or form. Or um, I mean, there's there's a different there's so many different aspects of the film. But 
predominantly that was the main thing. So I was, I started my private home, which is broad strokes on the different horse jockey films throughout the eras. And what are some of your favorites? Mm, the, the dirtier, more indie ones I like because there's less, uh, uh, the, the powers that be, if you will, like the studio heads putting their hands into the formulas, if you will. And I feel when you're more indie, you can be more true and closer to the actual source material. Mm -hmm. And that comes out more honestly. Yeah. yeah. So um, so I started with all that. I, I realized there's a lot of things I did not want to do. Um, like what? Like, like be like some of the studio films. Oh. You know, you, you have your... You know, look, they have their place in Hollywood, mm -hmm. your, your sea biscuits and your secretariats mm -hmm. and things of that nature. But, you know, the life of a jockey isn't this polished, beautiful thing. Yeah. It's anything but. <laughs> so to show that, you got to really you got to really go there. And I was fortunate to have uh, a director and a producer, um, Clint Bentley and Greg Quidar, that uh, allowed me that opportunity and also created that that space for me. Mm -hmm. yeah. Was any of it surprising to you? Like, did you learn anything about the life of a jockey that you didn't know? Like the, the diet, the weight restrictions, the the mud. <laughs> the mud. <laughs> yes, that's um, the track. The track uh, is calibrated every day, and it's mud mixed with all kinds of goodies. Yeah. Oh, so, there's a lot of levels to mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. actually. actually, when it's been recalibrated and you land on it, it's almost like jumping on a bed with a big duvet. Ooh. At first, yeah, <laughs> at first. At first. Uh, what I didn't know, mm, I knew that they went a lot through a lot. Yeah. Um, it was very taxing on the body. I, I didn't know that uh, they're like the evil Knievels of the horse worlds. They, they, they break, you know, oh, hundreds of bones. Dangerous. Hundreds of bones. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, and pound for pound, they're probably the toughest athletes on the planet. Yeah. I agree. So, so that was a big surprise for me. Were some of your own life experiences incorporated into the development of your character, Jackson? Oh, 100%. Tell me. Um, tell me. <laughs> between Greg Quidar, myself, and Clint, there's there's pieces of each one of us into this piece. So it, it takes the three of us. For me specifically, the speech at the ending was very much an experience I had with my own father, who was an alcoholic. Um, and uh, when I had visitations on the weekends, you know, the, those weekends he did show up, because he didn't show up every other weekend like he was supposed to. Um, you know, half the time, we'd be just uh, leaving his trailer park, going to the liquor store, getting his alcohol for the bag, and meeting up with some buddies at the liquor store and walking to Hollywood Park. Mm -hmm. And I'm nine years old, so yeah. I, I've learned how to gamble at a young age. I learned how to weigh out what the jockey did last race, what the track conditions were, what horse it was, what he weighed in in. At what's he weighing at now? Like these little stats I knew since I was nine. Mm -hmm. So going back in there and re-familiarizing myself, um, uh, the racing programs have changed a little bit, but to do all of that and then to get back into the world again was, uh, was really interesting because I hadn't been there, you know, probably since I was 11 or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 40 years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yes. It's a fascinating world. It really is. I know the jockey started as a short, so can you talk about the value of a good proof of concept? Yes, the proof of concept. Um, you know, a lot of times, unless you've made, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 movies, you know, and even if they've all been hits, you know, starting early out, you've got to really convince your money people that you have a vision. Mm 
Mm-hmm. You have a vision and a, and a style and a way that you want to tell this story. Mm-hmm. And to be able to show that, I think uh, the proof of concept has been a very, um, it's relatively new. It, it, it wasn't how they did movies 20 years ago. Um, you get your proof of concept, you got your lookbooks now, which is a, you know, a series of photos from a variety of different films that might um, show the tone that you want to use or the kind of looks of actors, mm-hmm. you know, the type of actor they might hire, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, so there's a lot of different tools. So it is important. Um, I don't know if you have the energy to do that. I think it's fantastic, but it really depends. And if you got a story, you know, you're going to take home mm-hmm. and it's so good that you can just hand them the script to read and they see it, then mm-hmm. you're good. But if you need further convincing, then why not do it? And it's just homework for actual shooting. You try some stuff in the shorts, some stuff you're going to totally reuse Mm -hmm. and rehash and other things you might just totally drop. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of nice, too. It's a little tester. Yeah. So I know you're no stranger to writing, actually. um, But um, what are the differences? I mean, the the horses in Westworld and the jockey, they're not exactly kissing cousins, right? (laughs) No, they're not. They're related. (laughs) Um, So Westworld, we have some fantastic rodeo horses and amazing horses, some of the best wranglers you can get in the business. Um, I had some fantastic horses. You know, these horses will jump. They'll, they're... And they're as precise as like driving a Porsche. Mm-hmm. It's that's why I like to compare it because those cars are like the most precise vehicle I've ever driven. Um, you know, quarter horses are like the dragsters of the horse world. So you you don't do slaloms with dragsters. You you go straight. You know, there might be moments where you turn, but you just hope to kind of just nudge the dragster. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe nudge a little bit forward or a little bit back. You don't want to cross hooves or click hooves or any of that stuff. So it, it's very different. Um, quarter horses, you're hanging on for dear life <laughs> as soon as that bell goes off. And there's that crazy anticipation. Mm-hmm. You know, you're walking the horses. You hear the other horse. Yeah. They all know they're getting ready to race. Yeah. Those horses are getting amped yeah. up. All the other jockeys, your friends, they're getting amped up. <laughs> and you're getting in your, and then you get into the gates and you put your feet up. You're standing up and getting ready to get on that horse. And you know, you know, that. There's this real tricky moment from the moment everybody's seated to the moment that bell goes off. It's yeah. anywhere from like a half a second to two seconds. And believe me, the when you get into that gate, those microseconds mean everything. Yeah. You know, like the horse is just waiting for that bell too, like mm-hmm. so much so. Um, so it's very, very different. You know, on Westworld, you get your opportunities to get bucked. You know, the horses try to buck you or this or that. I've been through a lot of that. You know, my horses jump in cactus trees, and which wasn't scripted, but whatever. <laughs> I figured it out. <laughs> you kind of know when the horse is getting ready you to jump. You don't want to land there, though. <laughs> no, and that that's what kept me on the horse. Is, is When you're up in there and you see cactuses over there and over there and over there, I'm like, I'm, how about I just don't fall off? Yeah. Yeah, let's just do that this time. So... Um, yeah, there was a particular moment on Westworld when we were in Utah with uh, Ed Harris where they had thrown all the all the trash on the other side because we were going to go vertically. And then Jonah Nolan at the last minute decided we should go horizontally, which is great, right enough into the distance. Yeah. Um, but now I've got all of Ed Harris's <laughs> trash and cactuses <laughs> and stuff for, for his horse to, 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 to lope a very clear path. And now my horse is like, cactuses, cactuses. And I feel him loping, I feel him setting. As soon as I felt them set, I said, uh-oh, this is new. We didn't practice this on set. So I just hung on to that horn, and he just, wow. I'm airbound. I'm just, woo. 
my It's goodness. just like, it's. I'm John Travolta and Urban Cowboy. And you You're do it. And you flying. I'm flying, he's flying. I'm like, woo! And it's like, oh God, and it's loping, I'm keeping up. I'm like, I hope it doesn't do that. I see another cactus coming up. Oh God, I'm like, do I crank him left? Do I crank him right? What's he want? I'm like trying to stay in sync with my rodeo horse. Mm -hmm. And I can, does he want to lope or does he want to go around? Cause I could pull him hard mm -hmm. and then we might drop. Yeah. So you got to weigh it out. There's a lot to weigh out. Clifton, you must be a good athlete. In the moment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, not calculated. Well, you got to be fit to do this work. I do learn things quickly. Yeah, because I just I block off everything. You got to block off everything. You don't bring the phone to set. You don't. There's no. no phone calls. There's no emails to return. There's no bills to pay. And if they are, they're going to be late. Because I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm thinking about living and mm -hmm. seeing the end of the day and finishing this episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all about the work. It's got to be about the work. Yeah. Your film and so many others are a great example of how important horses actually are to mm. the film business in a lot of different scenarios or eras that films are set in. For sure. Mm -hmm. You know, it's uh, in the case of Jockey, it's, um, I mean, obviously you got to have horses in there. Mm -hmm. We got even the wild horses, you know, that scene at the, uh, at the, the riverbank. Those were all, you know, wild, unbroken, you know, stallions. They were like... There was a dominant mare that came up to me, and that was the shot that you see in the movie. So we didn't have a horse wrangler. So that was me just... Uh, you didn't. I was just me telling the crew. Uh, we had a crew of 10. Mm -hmm. The sun was going down. We tried to chase these wild Mustangs, and um, you can't chase wild horses. <laughs> but I just let them do their thing. I figured mm -hmm. they'd figure it out. And then the sun was going down. I said, hey, guys. I yelled out. I said, hey, guys, I'm going back to base camp. Because I'm in cowboy boots on giant rocks. You know yeah. Boots and rocks. Yeah, Sand's no, okay, but not yeah, rocks. No. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm like, I wanted to get back before it got dark. You hurt your ankle. I got still got three weeks to shoot. So I started heading back, and I had a, a private. I couldn't hear my crew. They're so far back. And I just had a, a private moment by myself because on an indie, you know, the, when you have everybody in sync together like that, and they're all there for the right reasons, mm -hmm. their hearts are all into it. Mm -hmm. uh, this magic that just starts to happen. And there were days that they, they got certain shots where we were just like. How did we get that shot? How? So I had a moment, I was walking back to my truck, just kind of being grateful, having some gratitude. Mm -hmm. And I was like, thank you for all the magic. Mm -hmm. And these four days of magic, and now this fifth day, we got my first actress, and then my main cast comes in. Mm -hmm. I say, it'd be great if you was with me this whole shoot, magic, whatever you are. Mm -hmm. um, but if it was just these four days to teach us what's possible, mm -hmm. I will keep the, that possibility and, and hope and cherish it and nurture it and carry it through. But we had magic every day. Wow. And that day, um, I tossed a rock and I just heard this giant clopping in the water and these mm -hmm. hooves just smashing the water. Yeah. Sounded angry. Mm -hmm. and I heard this <laughs> and I just looked up and I just saw these big brown eyes look staring me right in the eyes. Mm -hmm. And it was just her in me. Mm -hmm. And everything around me disappeared. It was the most magical moment of mm -hmm. the entire year for me. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, well, if she comes towards me, I'm going to parry left or right mm -hmm. and then grab her mane and bareback her so she can take me wherever she's taking me. She's mm -hmm. got to take me somewhere. Mm -hmm. That's where my mind's at. Um, that was quick thinking. It's just in the moment. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so not even really a thought. It's just that this is what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and she, she came off the embankment and went to go turn back because she saw me. And then I, I, I got below her eye line and put my hand up. And then she looked at me again. And in the scene you'll see in the movie, she drops her head and wags her tail mm -hmm. and then turns back towards me and continues to cross frame mm -hmm. and then four other wild little horses come by little, mm -hmm. little youngsters 
Um, I don't know if they caught this. I knew by day three that Adolfo was very quick to capture moments. He was very quick to feel when the moment was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I knew that he was aware that I was aware of my light. Mm -hmm. So if I shadowed her this way or if I turn into a tear that's falling, that, that will seem naturalistic, yeah. um, he'll be there to catch it. But I did traverse this whole way to get back to, to base camp and the sun's going down. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they crossed, I just looked to my right behind me and I saw my good old trusty Adolfo on his belly. Wow. He broke down the, the air raid. He's about 30 feet behind me, just on his belly, just real quietly. Because he would have scared the horses away. They would have ran quick. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the sound guy was running up, tears running down his face. Oh. Did we get that? Did we get that? <laughs> you know, my producer, Nancy, was crying like that. Did we catch that scene? Adolfo very calmly just looks at his camera and says, yes, I think we did. Yes, I think we did. <laughs> I think we did. <laughs> well, you'll never forget that. I, it's impossible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was such a slow cinema magic. Yeah. And then also we had a meteor cut the sky on day one before we started shooting and, and cut the sky on the day we wrapped, mm -hmm. the night we wrapped. Wow. It's very surreal. Yeah. Very surreal spiritual mm -hmm. bookend, if you will. Mm -hmm. This really is a Latino story. Do you think people... Um, really realize how important Latinos are to the horse racing industry? Those that are involved, yes. Because yes. even myself, uh, the last time I really played, um, that I interacted with jockeys was qu quite some time ago. And there, it was very, uh, the areas where we were, it was very uh, Cajun heavy. You know, mm -hmm. So I was looking kind of forward to um, revisiting my Cajun roots mm -hmm. from the previous films. Yeah. Um, and I've got Cajun communities that I can call and hang out with in the, like Cameron Parish, Louisiana. And all, and those are still relationships I maintain. Um, and then uh, Clint was like, you know, I went to the track and you know, there's a lot of Latinos now. What do you feel about going with a Latino route? And I was completely open to him, like, whatever's going to feel organic and naturalistic, let's mm -hmm. go that route. Mm -hmm. But speaking more specifically to your question, yes, there are a lot of Latinos and they're not just from America, they're from all over. Exactly. Yeah, and they're coming in to, to, to win mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's fantastic. So what I really appreciate is, you know, it's, it's about jockeys. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are Latinos in it. There's black people in it, there's white people, there's Asian guy, Cato, my friend Cato was 71 at the time, still mm -hmm. racing. Wow. Came over here in 68 with a one-way ticket because he wanted to go to Disneyland <laughs> and uh, got stuck at a racetrack and he never went home. <laughs> so you'll see him in the movie, but he loves to race. Mm -hmm. He's He'll race, he'll come hang out with you. He'll, he's got that samurai thing. You know, he doesn't have to go into the hot room to, to sweat. Mm -hmm. If he's going to watch a movie, hey, do you have a towel? Do you mind if I make weight? I need to make weight, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... I trick my body to think I'm into the hot room. I'm like, yeah, Cato, go ahead, get it. And I'll sit there and he'll just be watching the movie. Next thing you know, he'll just start sweating. Huh. Mind over body. matter. Yeah, he's a full-blown samurai, mm. samurai jockey. Wow. <laughs> he's a badass. I love Cato. <laughs> they all got hearts of gold. Every last one of them. What was it like for you as a young Clifton talking to your grandfather, Pedro Gonzalez Gonzalez, about his life in Hollywood? Uh, you know, it was really special. I mean, these are the stories I grew up with. Mm -hmm. You know, hearing about Groucho Marx or Robert Mitchum or Jimmy Durante or Groucho or or even the days of uh, the hard, hard struggles doing theater. Mm -hmm. um, the Carpa circuit. The Carpa were like the Mexican vaudeville mm -hmm. throughout, uh, you know, the Western theatrical part of America. Mm -hmm. Texas. Um, it was all throughout America. Texas was kind of like the main hub, so to speak. Um, so those are fantastic stories and I, I you know since his passing I, i've been able to acquire so many um because he was a song and dance man mm 
So I would love to, I mean, he did the Debbie Reynolds show, the Danny Kay show. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. If, if you just look at the- What he, a legacy. And I don't have any of those. I've got like like three mm. performances, mm. but there's so many that I love. That is literally his improv skills. His yeah. He was able to go in and he could create a show mm-hmm. you know, every week for a new show. He would be the headliner, but also, if they just hired him off, like it, they had these things called pop-up shows back in the day, mm-hmm. and they would call him because they needed a, a comedian to come in, and so this new show came into town. They knew he was the guy to call if he was available, mm-hmm. and he would, they knew he could improvise effortlessly mm-hmm. and steal the show. Wow! So they would call him, and he would show up, and they'd pay him whatever it was for that performance. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I long to see those because they're not the scripted performances, mm-hmm. um, but you know they're fantastic stories, and now I, I get to. Uh, put pieces of those into the screenplay I'm writing, which doesn't even address the actual Hollywood, but it gets up to, it's just an origin story where he gets the, you know, the call from William Morris to, to come to LA and, and relocate the family. Wow. Yeah, and that's where it stops. So I don't even get into John Wayne. I don't get to, I mean, Groucho Marx is there and, and Walter O'Keefe who had a, a radio show. Um, called so you're Dillard writing a screenplay about that? Yes. <gasps> wow, so that is that gonna be your next? It's oh, very, close. very close. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of improvisation, though, um, how do those improv skills uh, feed into world building and character creation? That's a very good question. Um, gosh, uh, so in, in the process of experimentation and exploration, um, you'll find all these avenues of um, emotional inertia, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And within that, and through the process of committing to memory, um, you'll find things that flow a little nicer, a little differently, or a little better. You'll find, you know, mm-hmm. the more and more you run this whole character through this, the context of the story, mm-hmm. um, you'll find little nuances that you can add to it. And that's where improv skills are very important um, because you can come up with stuff just because it doesn't say you know, the character winks here or points doesn't mean you can't do that. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of stuff. It doesn't doesn't say not to do it. <laughs> so if you've done eight hours of research and prep, nuance it. You know, as long as it doesn't take you out of the scene and doesn't distract from it and it adds to and complements it. Mm-hmm. So that kind of stuff. Um, and when you work that muscle, if something happens in the room organically, yeah, I've already explored all these avenues and I've only made one choice for every little thing. Mm-hmm. So if I have an opportunity to go this way, that way, this way, that way, mm-hmm. and it feels right, I want to take that shot. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. What a fine. legacy. What a legacy you have. So do you sing and dance too? I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not a Johnny Mathis. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I do. I dance. I tap dance. I do. I play. Um, I've been studying the frying pans my grandfather played. He had frying pans that he would bend the um, handles on, and he would he would hammer he would hammer them to their own tune. Mm-hmm. He would take ball, bottles and fill them with water mm-hmm. and hang them from a pole. So he made his own instruments yes. too. Yes, yeah. He was like, I got a photo of him. He's like nine, nine or ten. Yeah. You have to come back and teach some of the rest of your I would, skills, I would your love repertoire, to. I would your love vast to. repertoire. Yeah, oh, I would love to. I loved what you told the students about, you know, preparing for an audition, which, as you described it, is a performance. And that it can be. To, it can be. And that you know many ways to get to the same destination. And you're prepared to do that. Yes, ma'am. Uh, um, it's really, you, you got to make the most out of the opportunity, one. Two, if you really love, if you really love acting, if you're really passionate about storytelling and being the voice of a character, mm-hmm. 
I mean, put in the time, man. Put in the. It's a one. It's a. It's a one. It's like a one-time performance. They might ask for a second shot, a third shot, mm -hmm. and that's when they give you a little direction. But if you have a chance to perform, and I hated when I tried. I, I love feedback. Please tell me how I could be better. Mm -hmm. I didn't get the role, you know. But tell me how I could be better. Oh, they'll give you little reasons and stuff. But um, invaluable. It really is. But when they said, you know, Clifton gave a good read. I'm like, a good read? Like, was I reading? <laughs> like, I'd like to think I wasn't reading. I put in way too much time to be reading. That sounds like a lazy Clifton. Pat, what are your tricks for memorization? Uh, I That's part, and that's a super good question, too, because it's very easy to become uh, stagnant and bored and uncreative mm -hmm. in an attempt to, to get off book, to memorize the dialogue. Mm -hmm. Oh, this line, that line. So what I'll do is I'll experiment with all kinds of ways of acting this character out while I'm doing the dialogue to keep me from getting bored. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it's the process for me at that moment is twofold. So I'm committing to memory, but also I'm keeping the memory super loose because I'm memorizing this way, that way, this way, that way, this way. If you start to memorize one way going into getting off book, when they give you direction, you're not going to be able because you dug a groove mm -hmm. that your memory is in that mm -hmm. can't get out because it's too deep. Mm -hmm. But if, you, if you're playing it this way, I'm playing it happy, sad, funny, this. I'm not going to go any of these directions, but I'm still practicing the dialogue. Yes. So mm -hmm. it gives it gives me a, a fluidity that what you wouldn't have otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, I've had friends that have been experienced that I've tried to direct like, how come you can't take this direction? You know, and, and these are my friends that are quick studies, and mm -hmm. I had to I had to outthink them because they <laughs> they would give me some. They'll make up some philosophical poo poo that doesn't work. You know, I'm like, no, you're a quick study and you got lazy because you didn't want to explore and you wanted to go get high or do this or do that or whatever. Play guitar, you know, which is fine, but do the work first. Mm -hmm. You know, get off book and explore. You got to explore. Well, you told the students so many valuable things, gave them such invaluable advice. But I'm wondering if you had been a student in that master class, what would you ask you? <laughs> A lot of the questions they ask, <laughs> yeah, and uh, fortunate for your, for your students is uh, they have each other to lean on. Uh, they're clearly critical thinkers. They're very smart, very evolved. So I had to fall down a lot and stumble a lot. And my grandfather, even my whole the whole Gonzalez clan, um, were all entertainers. So there's only a few of them that got educated. The older ones, my grandfather never had a chance to go to school. For a lot of the vaudevillians, not just in general, mm -hmm. um, school was a means to have your children babysat oh. if they weren't actively performing in the show. <clears throat> Obviously, it always benefited to have them perform in the show because you keep you can babysit while performing and mm -hmm. doing a show. Yeah, you know, the Seven Foys, you know, mm -hmm. the Coens, the list goes on and on. Um, so with the Gonzaleses, it was a, a big thing like that. So I, my grandfather didn't have formal teachings. He had mentors, mm -hmm. uh, song and dance mentors that I grew up listening about and hearing. And mm -hmm. I, too, have my mentors. I'm very blessed to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Clifton. And I, I, I hope that you will come back sometime very soon. In a heartbeat. All right. Well, our students and our faculty and our staff have loved getting to know you. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yay. It's very special. <laughs> very special. Very magical. Thank you. Magical is a better word. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Clifton Collins, Jr. Jockey will be released in select theaters on December 29th, and I highly recommend seeking it out. 
Now, as I said in the intro, this is our final episode of the season. I've had such a great time with these interviews this year, covering the best of fashion, film, interior design, and more. I can't wait to see you again in the new year, and I wish you and yours a very happy and safe holiday season. Thank you for tuning in to SCADcast and On Creativity, executive produced by SCAD president and founder Paula Wallace, with original music by SCAD alumnus George Lovett. On behalf of the entire SCAD community, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay active. We'll see you next time in 2022.